stand in your presence today. Not in the presence of some wooden statue or some fake deity or something that has no life, Lord. But we stand in the very Shekinah glory of the living Savior. The one that said all those years ago, let there be and there still is, Lord. What a mighty God you are amongst your people, Lord, and your creation. As we sit here this morning, Lord, and worship you with all of our heart and we sing the songs of home of Zion of redemption of of your mercies of your grace of your healing touch of you being our provider and the savior of our souls Lord what a mighty God you are to your people not one person in this room deserves such a merited and a matchless and amazing grace Lord but you are so amazing and I love you Father I love you for your goodness to us Lord how blessed you we are today as we stand here in this place. We're not out in a cave. We're not out next to a riverside or in a barn, Lord. You've given us a real nice place to gather in and to worship you and praise you, Lord. And, but no matter where we're at, no matter where we're at, Satan is always there to try to buffet and distract. Lord, as we stand here this morning, Lord, I pray you would help us to keep all of our thoughts all of our ideas and imaginations in a complete razor-like focus on your word this morning, Lord, for your word is what gives life. The preaching of the gospel still sets the captives free. Lord, there are things in our lives, Lord, that that we need your help to surrender to you, Lord, that, that we need more of you. That's my prayer request this morning, Father. I need more of you, Lord. I don't want to leave today without it. I must have more of you, Lord. I must have more of your life, more of you, oh God, inside of me. I love you, Father. I pray, Lord, as we come to now the, the changing of the order of the service to the ministering of the word, that, Lord, your word comes today with such simplicity, such a clarity, Lord, that, that we're not sitting here scratching our heads and wondering what could it mean, Lord, but you would take your word and you reveal it to our hearts, Lord, us, the, the babes, the, the young, the, 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 the simple, Lord, the, that we would have a heart that would want more of you, Lord. We worship you in this place. We thank you, Lord, as just here at the very beginning, Lord, we want to thank you in advance. I want to thank you in advance, Father, for what your word's about to do to us. Lord, it is changing us. Little by little, day by day, each step of the way, your word is changing us. So, Lord, I want to say thank you for that in advance, Father. And at the close of this service, Lord, is when it's all said and done and we've worshiped with all our hearts and we've heard your word and it's changed us, Lord, I pray that there would be such a burning in our hearts, Lord, to know that it wasn't just in a building. It wasn't just an ordinary time. It wasn't just a normal mundane Sunday morning. But we'll know that God, the creator of heavens and earth, spoke with us along the way. Draw us nearer to thee this morning, we pray. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise. All the honor and all the glory to the only name given under heaven whereby we must be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning. God bless you this morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. It's why you're standing to turn me to Matthew chapter 14. God bless you. God bless you. Got a lot I want to cover this morning. Today would be part 11, Brother Matt. Still looking at and we're keeping all of this in our thoughts and our mind in the unfailing reality of a living God. And, and if you want to package that sentence, unfailing.
just right then being unfailing, that means cannot fail. Do you believe your God cannot fail? Do you believe he's alive this morning? Do you believe he is God? Now, now you have big G's and you have little G. You have big G. Let me singularize that. You have a big G. You have lots of little G's. Now, the word God means object of worship. Now, like I've said many times, that, that that phrase that Satan has no problem with us making anything, I mean literally anything, a God, something that you would give time to and give your attention to and, and all those different things, and it's just a little g, it means nothing. It's easy to make it an idol. It's easy to make it an idol. But there is one God. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the creator of the heavens and earth. He is the one that all those years ago flung those worlds out and said, let there be. Do you believe that this morning? All right, let's stay with it. Chapter 14, verse 1. We'll read just a few of these verses before we have you be seated. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch. Now, this is the man that was the king, the Tetrarch, heard of the fame of Jesus. He said unto his servants, when he heard of what Jesus was doing. Now, just a few chapters before this, just to kind of help lay it up to you, that, that, that John had been in prison, had been, you know, in prison. I'm not talking about minimum security. I mean extreme max security, kind of places where you know you'll never see daylight again. I doubt he ever saw daylight again. You understand what that means? You know, I, you, the, the biggest thing about uh, having your life changed, having your life changed and what something really means to you, what the value of something is, are you willing to die for it this morning? Are you willing to die this morning for what you believe? You, you understand me this morning. This isn't, you're not just called to it's 10 a.m., it's Sunday morning, let's go have church. Are, what's in your heart right now? Are you willing to give your life right now for what the gospel of Christ? Otherwise, what are you doing here? They were, they we're talking about one of our brothers here in just a minute. We're in that talking about what he was willing to give for it, what it meant to him. He wasn't just walking along. Yeah, I guess I'll tell people every now and then about the Lord Jesus, and I'll do this, and oh, don't, you ain't put me in prison. But look at this testimony, and it, I, I find nothing is by accident. Absolutely nothing on this planet is by accident because there is a designer. There's a creator. You know, no one's going to stand outside there and say, this building looks like it must just accidentally blew up out of nothing, and here it is. Accidentally. What a coincidence. And look, it has ceiling fans. What a coincidence. No, you look at it and see, this has a designer. It has a creator. Someone built this thing. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold. You understand that, that what we're about to read is kind of, he's like remembering or like the Bible is trying to let you know what you missed in some of these other uh, verses. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John had said unto him, it's not lawful for thee to have her. The man starts preaching marriage and divorce and he loses his head over it. Starts preaching marriage and divorce and loses his head off of it. She said, take his head. Herod believed he was a prophet. Herod believed that. And when he would have put him to death, when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. 
You understand the, the degradation of morality right there in this moment it's describing. She wasn't doing a nice ballet act. You know, as far as, you know, that's even itself, it, it, it's something. But, but you understand what she was doing. It was a very sexual thing of his daughter-in-law doing before him to catch his attention. To catch his attention. The daughter of Herodias danced before them and it pleased Herod. It pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. Now, it means a lot when a king makes such a statement. Now, they, they lightly, they just, in, in the, the commentaries that come along, it tells you that he's honoring that oath. If your mind would jump back to King Hasserus and what he told Esther, I will give you all of my, half of my kingdom, you know, an oath of a king. And so that would be a positive light. This right here is a negative light of what he did. He said, in this oath, he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, this was not a Proverbs 31 mother. This was not a godly mother. This was the woman told her, because he offended me, I want his head. Sounds a lot like Jezebel, don't it? Sounds a lot like Jezebel. And she had been before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. He was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it be given her. You may be seated this morning. And again, the oath. The oath that he had promised. Even in the most foolish of a, of a statement and a, a horrible, unwise thing to do, that he would, in such a moment and fit of passion, I'll give you whatever you'd ask. Such a, a horrible thing. And he knew if there was any wisdom there that he was like, wait a minute. You know, she's been hanging out with her mom a lot, and her mom and me even don't get along. And there's things there that, that I don't agree with. But he should have known that well, me making this kind of a statement, and I've got to, and there's witnesses there that heard it. There were witnesses there that, that when, when, when he knew time it was to fulfill it, that he had to fulfill it in their eyes. And again, this is just a, self, a real simple uh, look at this thought here. But he, even though when he made that, he was sorry. The king was sorry. Think about that. The king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them would set with him at meat, he commanded it be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in in a charger and given to the, the damsel. And she brought, italicized, it to her mother. She brought it to her mother. What a present. Hey, Mama, look what I brought you. She said, that's exactly what I want. What a heart. What an evil heart of unbelief that wanted a man's head in a basket. What an evil heart. And it, 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 it just and this is given for you to understand that, that this would be a negative look and a negative idea and a negative view in a natural, very human realm of what a, a backed-up oath looks like. And very natural, as evil as it is, but he honored his oath. See, your God promised Abraham something. Your God promised Abraham something. He said, and he, and he realized that even when he was making his oath to you, to Abraham, because you're a faith seed of Abraham this morning. You're not a Jew born. You're not a blood of that, the actual blood. You're a faith seed of Abraham, and it's counted to you for righteous because you believe such. So you, this oath that he made to him, can you imagine looking around, who could I swear by? Who could I pot? Oh, there's none greater than me. 
And, and I only say that just to be facetious, for you understand, there's none greater than him. There's no one higher. There's no one for him to consult. I read that to you Wednesday night out of Job, where he said, who consult? Who can come and consult this with him? Who can come before him and say, you don't know what you're doing. You know what you think, it's not working right. It's not going to work right. I know the end from the beginning he can say. I, I'm the one that, that when I let that rock go out of my hands and I knew exactly where it would fall. When the sun was leaving my hands and it hit a certain spot, I knew it would stop just right there, which is just the perfect coincidental distance from the earth to the sun. Just the, oh man, he just, oh, well, he just lucked out there. Not luck, it's design. It's someone who's able to hold it. Now we're getting back into the old. Someone's able to back it up. See, someone that made an oath to them, he said, this promise is unto you. And you think about that oath as it's revealed and it's unwrapped because all of this, all of this book right here is the revelation, singular, of the Lord Jesus Christ. No other God but him. No other Lord. No other king. No other creator. So who is the creator this morning? Can Satan create? Satan can't create. What can Satan do? He can only deform. He can only pervert. He can only lie. He can only twist. He can take the truth and he can twist it. That's all he can do. That is literally the only thing he can do. And you look at all the, the death. Death is an exact antithesis of life. Exact opposite of life. And everything else that spins out from it. I want to read a quote to you this morning out of Christ, the mystery of God. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Do you believe that this morning? That that truly is the case, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Now that means that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. Now we spent some time on this Wednesday night trying to, to, to firmly establish in your hearts and your mind who is God. See, I'm talking about a living God. I'm not talking about someone that, that your mama taught you about or your daddy or your grandpa or all these thoughts and ideas that puts him years ago. If you even are a person here this morning and says, I believe all the Bible, and when it stopped 2,000 years ago, that's when God stopped, then you're not talking about the same Jesus I'm talking about. If you were to say, I believe all the Word, you understand? This is all there is. God doesn't do anything else. And he just stopped when that last period in Revelation 22 was put in. That's it. See, there's millions on top of millions that believe that today. And they go to church each day. That's what God did. That's what God did. That's what God did. They literally take this and make it an idol. Because your God's alive. He's alive. These are just exploits. These are, I've always liked to call it the resume of his power. It's a love letter to you. I wonder in this situation that I'm walking in, um, could God have ever helped anyone out in a similar situation? Oh, look, it's right there. And then my next trouble, my next trial, my next test, could God have ever helped? Oh, it's right there. He's the same then as he was then as he was then. He's the same one. Alive. Brother Brown would make a statement. And, and as a kid growing up hearing a lot, I never understood the depth and the magnitude of it. He would always say such a thing is that man is always praising God for what he did. And always thinking forward to what he's going to do and always missing what he's doing now. Are you guilty? I've been guilty. I can look at what God's did in the Word 
and your heart gets so happy and you're like, that's, that's my Lord. That's my Lord. And, and now I'll go back to my test and my trial and my everyday life and it's just me walking amidst it myself. No, sir. No, sir. Paragraph 509 of Christ is a mystery of God revealed. Brother Brown makes this question. What killed Eve? Three letters. What killed Eve? For those of you who don't know, Adam and Eve were the first two humans on the planet. First two humans ever lived on this planet. There were angels that were cast out from heaven, but the only two humans that ever lived without a human body was Adam and Eve. Eve was a byproduct of Adam. She was not in the original creation. God created first male and female in a spirit form, but the first body that was created was Adam, was the male. So Adam walked around with both male and female spirit in him. He was not gay. He was not effeminate. He was not twisted, sissy, perverted, none of those things. That was what God designed it. So if God desired it and designed it, you know it was pure. So you think about it in your own life and, and, and to what's pure. See, if you've, if you've been raised in the same world that I've been raised in, everything Satan has been a full nonstop just push to change the way you think of every single word. That word don't mean that no more. That word don't mean that no more. That word don't mean that no more. So you've almost got to be careful what, uh, what year of, uh, of a dictionary you pull up. Because they're changing definitions. But it don't mean that. You can't say, uh, I want to change the definition of that word now. It don't work like that. You didn't create the language. Or let me say, you didn't design the language. Now, if you want to start your own language and go change it to some kind of gibberish, that's a different statement. But you can't say a word that when it was first brought into existence, that it was it always meant this these years, now it must mean this. That's a perversion. That's a deformation. That's not God. Now, I understand that there is a greater understanding, greater light, and different things, and, and get more definition as far as what a better light onto something, what it looks like, so you have a better way to grasp it. I get that. It's not a problem. But what killed Eve? What is sin? Sin's not drinking, smoking, cheating, murdering, stealing. And that's what, what sin is. Sin is unbelief. And I quote this to you a lot out of Hebrews that it says, He that comes to God, and I'll say she, he or she that comes to God, you must believe that he is God. You must believe that he is God. So what killed Eve? He says unbelief. He says, is that right? Their unbelief in what? Unbelief in God. He said she had faith in God. Sure, she believed. You understand that? She had um, a belief in his word. He had said this. And you think about the parable of the seed. And, and the, the just the, where Jesus gives that in the parable of seed, where the seed was sowed. And then you look at how the seed, you have those that was on the thorny ground or stony ground that, that they were believers and they were shouting and they were rejoicing for God. Then the first test, the first trial, the Satan's able to come in and steal it out of their heart. They didn't believe his word. So you think about Eve, her test comes. Satan come at her in the form of the serpent. He come at her, and he come at her, and he come at her, and worked on her, and worked on her, and worked on her. There's many differing thoughts that it potentially could have taken seven years. You know, if you had one person coming to you every day, working on something, we're working on this. I'm going to change the way you think about this. I'm going to change the way you think about this. He, see, she wasn't there in a physical form when God said, do not eat of that tree. She wasn't there. 
Adam was standing there, so Adam told her what God said. But he pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed to where now she's ready to argue and debate with him and says you can't eat or look upon it. She just broke Revelation 22, adding to the word. What happens when you add to the word? Every plague that's in this book is added to you. What happens if you take away from the word? Your name is taken out of the Lamb's book of life. So watch taking away from the word, saying that this, where, where I come across a scripture, and you saying it don't really mean that. You understand how serious this is this morning? Or if or you won't preach something that this book says is taken away from the word, or adding to, well, it actually means this, and I want to add my thought, my idea, my interpretation, to it, and now every plague is added under whomever's saying that, or whomever thinking that, because you understand it's not just the words of your mouth, but your thoughts. You know, the prophet was told here that, that you're doing what you go tell the people. Their thoughts speak louder in heaven than their words do on earth. Their thoughts. He said, what killed Eve? It was her unbelief in his word. She wasn't an infidel. She believed in God. He didn't believe, she didn't believe his word. She believed all of it but one little thing. Why would the scripture feel the need in Revelation chapter 22, the very last few paragraphs, to put that not a clause, but a commandment there. Why would a need be for that? Whomever adds to the book, the plagues are added to you. Whomever takes away, your name is taken away. Why would the need for that? Because the book started with that. Someone took away, and I've told you many times, it's one word, it was three letters wrong. One word, three. So how close is it this morning? It's razor's edge. How close is it this morning? Well, I don't really believe that. That's not what I was taught. It does not matter. All that matters is what it says. It does not matter what you think. The Scripture takes time to cover that too. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My ways are so much higher than yours. When you say, well, I feel this in my heart. The Bible says the heart's the most evil above all. But I feel it in my heart. No, it's got a lot of the Word. See, I've said that recently about, you know, the prophet would teach us that we're, we're getting past feeling time. Now, the reason why such a statement will be made is Satan can impersonate any feeling. Anything your flesh can experience, Satan can impersonate it. Anything. Anything. So let's start real basic. How do I know God loves me? Because he says so. How do I know that I'm, that I'm pre- how do I know that predestination could exist? Because his word says so. How do I know that he redeemed me? Because his word says so. How do I know that I could get the Holy Ghost this day? His word says so. This promise is unto you and as many as far off as the Lord our God should call. That's me right there. That's me right there. See yourself in the scripture. How do I know that God's a healer? He sent his word and healed some of my diseases. All of them. Really, all of them. You need to remember that. You need to remember that. All of my diseases. I've shared a lot in the last few weeks the difference between a no thing and all thing. God doesn't give, well, I'll do this and this and this. See, I've shared this with you about what, what sickness is. Sickness is, is, is a demon bothering your body. Simple as can be. It's a demon bothering your body. I shared that with you. I had that one day at work. Aaron's stomach was so ripped up and turned up that I looked at him one point. He's squatting on my, the, the, the ramp of my trailer on his toes, holding his stomach, just squatting on you know, like he was low as he could go. And you understand that that's a demon that's got his claws in him. If you can look into that realm, in that other realm, to me it would look like a demon sitting on your back with his claws into you. Everybody, do you believe me? Do you believe me? 
That's what sickness is. All sickness is of the devil. All life is of God. Life. We're getting to something. The Zoe life of God. So if his word says that he sent it to heal all of your diseases, how do I get healed? Get that thing off me. Get that thing off me. So why is it there? What gave it access? What gave that thing access to me where it can torment me and do this? Now, there's, there's many differing, uh, uh, I can give you different testimonies of, uh, of different places where, uh, and we, we read that in Job the other night, Job actually was without sin. There are many things that, that, that uh, even in your life, that, um, I don't want to say this as delicately as be, that, that, that you don't have to be, um, well, I'll just share this with you. There was a, a testimony relayed to me recently of a girl that was about in her late teens, 18 to 20. And I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm, I'm just thinking about just that just a minute. Um, that in, in this particular meeting, the demon was actually speaking out of her. Speaking out of her. Her face had changed. You could see it moving in her. It had her bound, had her shaking, had all these different things. See, demons are real. Demons are real. If you don't believe that, you've led a very sheltered life. Because I bump into them every day. They're real. So as the Lord was dealing in that situation, the way they're able to trace it back is an 18 to 20-year-old, all the way back to a very young girl. Somebody had done something to that young girl. Not she did. Someone did that to her, and it put a spot in her life that devil could get everywhere and had traction all that time. Now, it doesn't always have to be a young person. It doesn't have to be a teenager. It doesn't have to be a 20 or 30, all these other things. Satan is always looking for a way at you, always looking for a way at you. You know what the cure was, what was able to help her? That she, in that moment, she had to forgive that person that had done that to her. One of the most horrible things that could be done to a person. And what would set her free was for her to forgive the person that did it to her. See, Mark eleven twenty two is very real, 23, 24. If you stand praying and you will not forgive your brother or your sister, then God in heaven does not have to forgive you. So what now keeps him from you is not forgiving you. But once that's all done, it's all cleaned up and it's all made right, and Satan has no more traction. And Satan has to leave. Has to leave. You with me this morning? Has to leave. He has no right. The only power Satan has is what you give him. Because again, I say this all the time, Luke 10, 19 was not for Satan or his angels or his demons, but it was for you. So you have to empower that thing. You have to, through unbelief, empower. That's where he gets that. I've noticed here lately that, that even in negative speaking, even in talking about, I don't even mean like I hate that guy or nothing of the sort, but, but even, even when you're relaying something that had happened, <coughs> that, that if you're not careful, that you'll watch those spirits of darkness come in. And I don't mean just talking about like a, a bad movie that scared you and along those lines, but, but along the lines of just of not saying we're going to pray for this person, we're forgiving this person, we love this person, we're here to help this person. There's a very, very fine line in talking about someone and, and saying, I, I want to tell you just a little bit of background about this so that we can know what to pray together about. 
There's a very fine line. So I've watched Satan get in even places like that. So just in the same paragraph as we come down, he said, didn't the Bible say over in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I have sent my angel to testify these things unto you. Whosoever shall take one word from it or add one word to it, and this is where he makes his statement. If all of this heartache and sorrow had to come because of one woman doubted one word of God, well, he let you back doubting one word. One word. Brother Ram goes on to say he would be unjust. He would be unjust. He said, that's right. He'd be unjust. Now, he, he, back to our, our verse here in chapter 14. His disciples came, verse 12, after they had taken the head of John. His disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. And um, when Jesus heard of it, and again, it's italicized. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot, on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. He healed their sick. You heard of any other God that can heal the sick? Any other God that can heal the sick? Not one? All healing is of God. So the, the prophet would tell you that God heals through his word. He heals through song. He can use a doctor. He can use medicine if he wants to. He can do it through testify. All these different things. But only healing comes from God. The prophet would teach us that if you break a bone, if you break a bone, a doctor can set that bone. But that doctor cannot heal that bone. Something else heals that bone. That's God. That's what heals it, because God is the healer. So he sent forth, he went forth and saw a great multitude with moving compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples come to him saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Now, the Bible's already taken the time in its description of this situation to tell you that everyone came there on foot. Did you read the same Things that I said, they, they followed him on foot. Why would it be a need to make a, let you know that? They didn't come in a wagon train, camel train. They didn't come on horses. They followed him on foot. They were so hungry and thirsting for God, they will fall. Wherever he goes, I'm going. Wherever he goes, I'm going. I, I was sharing with <coughs> some of you recently in the message, um, 19, I think it's June of 1963, Brother Ram preached, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He preached the title several times. I think it's the right, the right day, but he's telling on there. He's in Hot Springs, and he's telling about the meetings that happened back in 46 and 47 in that home, Hot Springs, Jonesboro, um, 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 not Little Rock here, but in that area, about those meetings. And I've, I've heard, I thought everything I could hear about those meetings. In this particular tape, he's talking about staying at T. Richard Reed's home. That's where he'd been staying. And for those of you who don't know maybe about those meetings, that, that one of them was an eight-day meeting, and I think another one was a two-week meeting. The eight-day eight day meeting, he never left the platform. He never left the pulpit. He stood there eight days straight. He would lay down the floor and take a nap. People in the prayer line would stand there and wait for him to get up. They weren't leaving. He would drink soda water and, uh, water and, and crackers, and that's all he would have eight days straight. You wonder why he looked so old at 56? Eight days straight. Maybe stepped out and used the bathroom. I don't know. But can you imagine? 
if you're in a prayer line and you're standing there and you know, people packed out the door behind you and you're waiting your turn, and is he awake yet? Wait your turn. People, but why wouldn't they leave? Why wouldn't they leave? They saw something that was real. They saw something alive. I had heard that God was a healer. What did Job say? I have heard of you, but now I see you. Now I can know you. He sees that God is moving in that man. They see it. So he's telling, in this sermon, took the message. He said that meeting was so powerful that when he gets back, it's either that one, the eight-day or the two-week one, that, that he gets back to T. Richard Reed's house, and he's in the back room of the bedroom of the house, in the bedroom in the back of the house. Everybody else is asleep. In the middle of the night, people find out where he's staying. They go to that window. They rip the screen off the window. He said, I conducted a prayer line through my window all hours of the night. People stretched out in the backyard. Coming up, getting prayed for. This ain't no drive-up window service. Nothing silly like this. This is God moving. People saw that. Where's he at? And it's not the man. It's God moving in that man. It's not the man. God moving. This same God we're talking about. He was telling about being there in India. And it one, I, I'm not sure if it's the same time, but there's one place that he said, they'd give me some money in the rupees or whatever it was. And he said, I, I saw, because there's, there's beggars everywhere. He said, I walked down to the hotel, down to the edge of the, you know, the, the hotel, and I'm trying to give away as much food and as money as I can to them. He said, in seconds time, I'm out. I got nothing left. He said, they had to drag me back in the building. In the same place, it was either there or at that time, that meeting. He said, when people saw God moving in those meetings, what God was doing, he said, they almost tore me apart. He said, ripping my shoes off, ripping my suit off, anything they could do to get to God. Not the man, God. You ever felt that sincere? You ever felt that dedicated? That you wanted God that bad? That's a hunger and a thirst for a living God. David cries it out as, as my deep, there's something on the deep, on the inside of me, that it's not just, you know, passive, oh, well, I'll go to church and fill my time, and, and I'll be back Wednesday, and we'll see you then. Y'all have a great weekend. No, no, no. I know where God is. And, and it's not that God can't meet you out there, but you'll agree with me, it's different in here. It is different in here. So when you gather together with those of like precious faith and he starts moving amongst his people, that things even in testimonies and even in, you know, no matter, just in the presence of fellowship, that God starts moving and you feel your life getting better. Getting better. To whereas if you stayed at home, you get worse. You get discouraged. You get depressed. You're sick all the time. Why is this? You've not went to the altar and made your sacrifice. See, there's always going to be an element of altar. Always. Even in heaven, there's an element of the altar that's before the throne. There, there's an element of that altar that you have to have something to give. You have to have a part. You have to have your sacrifice in the service. And in this day, <coughs> it's at the very least of presence, showing up, and then the sacrifice of praise. Well, what's so-and-so going to think if I raise my hand? What's so-and-so going to think if they actually hear me singing? What are they going to think if I get so lost in the spirit, I run around the room, I jump up and down, I shout, I start speaking. What are the people going to think? I'm bringing my sacrifice of praise. I, I, want, I would happy for someone to tell me, man, you're a lot like that heretic Paul. You're a lot like him. Paul said in the way that's called heresy, that's how I worship my God. You call, call me what you want. I don't care. I'm worshiping him. I'm not here to see you. I'm here to bow at his feet and say, Lord, I love you. I give all that I am to you. I spread all of my life, my thoughts, my ideas at your feet. Have your way in me. Have your way in me. 
<clears throat> he said, verse 16, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. They say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He says, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. See, in those days, they didn't sit at a chair and a table to eat lunch. You understand, they all laid down or sat down on cushions or real short tables, and that was the common custom. No one sat around at a table like we will here in a little bit and just eat lunch. No, they got kind of laid down. So what did the Creator do? He said, everybody sit down. You just sit down. It's going okay, but, but we got no food. It's going to be okay. Give us this day our daily bread. It's going to be okay. What does he command? He said he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fishes. And I heard someone say recently, was, that, was it Andrew that said that about the boy that was, that was uh, playing hoogies in school? Was that Andrew that said that? And it, it just happened to show up that day with his five loaves and two fishes of bread. Five loaves, five loaves of bread and two fishes. And, and he shows up with that. And he's supposed to be, well, that's a pretty big lunch for a little boy. Maybe he's supposed to share it with someone else. I don't know. But maybe it was lunch for a week. I don't know. But, but what a coincidence that he shows up that day with five and two. With five and two. What a coincidence. He shows up and he just happens. Can you imagine how did he get there? How did he get there? Because everybody followed on foot. They saw Jesus as he just got stuck in the crowd. Sometimes if you're in a massive throng, you might get pushed somewhere and not mean to. I don't believe that was the case with him. I believe he might have saw something too that I want to go see what's going on. I want to go see what this is. This don't sound this don't sound fake. The Bible said all the time about him that their testimony was he speaks as though someone having authority. That's what they said all the time about him. When he would speak, it's though someone and they were shocked. The way you teach is like, it's like you've got authority or something. And it's not about the, you know, I'm the, the, the president of the Sanhedrin. The, no, no, no. Like, if you say it, it'll come to pass. That's the way I take it. You speak as though someone with authority. That's the way I take it. So we're not that, well, you know, you're, you're the highest Pharisee or you're the highest Sanhedrin. No, no, no. I feel like if you say it, it's going to happen. Matter of fact, Dunn heard a testimony about a wedding in Cana. Don't heard a testimony about a wedding in Cana where they ran out of wine with so many thousands, so many whatever, 100 people there, whatever it was, didn't have enough wine. And the embarrassment of that for the family and the shame that it would bring upon a family. And his mother, the, the physical body, Mary, was sitting there and says they have no wine. And a strange response that he would say, what is it to me? My time has not yet come. I know you can do this. How did she know that? That wasn't in what Gabriel told her when he come, that he, you know, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, a son of Eve. That's not in the scripture, and he will turn the water into wine. You, you, anybody else know of a prophecy even like that before this happened? Didn't say that, but she said, when you speak, you can meet this need. See, we're talking about God then. We're tying it with God now. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed. He blessed. I'm going to stop right there just a minute. If God blesses you, do you think he'd ever curse you? Now you could live because of a curse. That's a Malachi. He's cursed to that. There, there's that out there. And, and, and he won't rebuke the devourer for your sake. But in his eyes, you're always blessed. And he knows you'll repent and come back to the middle of the road. And that's mercy. That's grace. But he's not going to be up there saying, well, no, you're not, you're not doing that. No, 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 you've got to straighten your life up. He's not just going to just cover it up. No, no, you're going to straighten your life up. He's going to fix it. He's going to fix it. But if he blesses you, you're blessed. 
Uh, it sound real simple this morning, but if God blessed you, you're blessed. Maybe we can sing that later. Ain't God good? He gives us so many blessings, and I'm blessed every day that I live. Every day that I live. So he blessed and he break. Look at the way this describes this. He looks up to heaven. He blessed and break. And then, comma, gave the loaves to, it's italicized, his disciples. And the disciples to the multitude. The word, the creator, took the bread, took and broke it, and gave it to the disciples. Was it because these were 12 holy men? No? Wasn't Judas there? The one that didn't just have a devil, but was a devil. But he had a purpose to fulfill, and God used it. God is a gentleman. He will use whatever you give him. And proof of it in Judas. He'll, give, he'll use whatever you give him. But he sat there, and he gave it to them. See, Ephesians 4 is not no more. Uh-uh. If God did it then, he does it now. If God did it then, he does it now. If, if he, he sent into his church pastors, prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, then, then he's not taking it away. I don't believe that. I believe that's how God deals with the people. Call me stupid, call me ignorant, call me whatever you want. That's how God deals with it. That's, that's all I keep reading. I don't believe it's a press, play, and obey whatsoever. <clears throat> he gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude, and they did all eat. Again, Five loaves, two fishes, 5,000 people, plus you know, women and children. 5,000 men besides women and children. They did all eat. It wants you to understand because, like I said, many times the Scripture, as it's moving through, trying to, because you get, the Bible's clear to say that if everything that he would have done would have been recorded, he said there would not have been, book, all the books on earth could have held it. You've read that in your Bible too? Everything that he would have done. So if they would have given you a really good play-by-play moment of what this was. You know, this took maybe... Uh, three to four hours of whatever this took to take care of that many people. I don't know how long it would take to run 5,000 men plus women and children through here in a feeding line. But you ain't going to do it in <coughs> you ain't going to do it in five minutes. You ain't going to do it in 15 minutes. In, in Pawnee this past year at the youth meeting, they had about 400 people through there. And it would take a minimum of an hour, an hour and a half to run everybody through the line. That's just 400 people. Can you imagine 5,000? And you only have 12 disciples. 5,000 broke up. Everyone this year, 12, you know, uh, all like so. And here's yours. He come back. Here gets yours. He come back. Here gets yours. They did all eat. Nobody went home hungry. Again, God's a gentleman. And, and I've shared this with you many times. You know, it rained last night. I thank God for that rain. I thank God for that rain. But you realize your weeds got watered as well? And it, it seems silly. But your weeds got watered last night as well. Well, no, God hates me and Jesus loves me. Same person. Same person. The creator, Elohim, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Same person. So if he waters the weeds the same time he waters you, you get a really good view of how generous and how kind and how merciful he is. Because these 5,000 that we're talking about, men plus women and children, weren't there on the day of Pentecost. There was only 120. So you understand that in that area, there were a bare minimum of 5,000 men plus women and children that were walking around with food that was created from that man in their stomach. You know, it passed out over a period of time, but they didn't absorb the nutrients 
So however many days later it was from then till now, I don't know, those nutrients don't go away right away. Your body absorbs it and puts it. So whatever cell tissue, whatever blood cell, all those things, at the same time the Holy Ghost is falling there, they're still walking around with that use in their body, but they weren't believers. Maybe some of them come, a part of the 3,000 were added, maybe. But they weren't when this happened. So again, the supernatural something of here. So wait a minute, where did this food come from? I didn't see the catering van. I didn't see the catering train. I didn't see the catering helicopters that brought all this food in. You said he's doing what? Tearing it in half and it grows back every single time? That's what you're saying. You're saying he takes the bread, he tears it off, and you watch it grow back. And he grabs it again, he tears it off, it grows back, and he tears 5,000 times. That's what you're saying. 5,000 times with the fish. That's what you're saying. Who's ever done that before? i got to go all the way back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. Same one, same person standing there saying, give this to them, give this to them, give this to them, give this to them. So now let's talk about our day just real quick, jump out of, jump ahead of ourselves. He's saying, God, today, I believe with all my heart, there are Holy Ghost men, feel, Holy Ghost filled men, sons of God, standing in the pulpit right now all over this planet preaching this word. The revealed word of God, same Holy Ghost, same God is standing there speaking to them to tell you what you need for today. You believe that? Right now, same God all over this planet, same God. That's a big God. That's a big God. <laughs> they did all eat and were filled. They took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. So this boy brings his lunchbox, five loaves and two fishes. I don't know how fish. I can pack rolls. I'm going to be talking big rolls, whatever it is, but, you know, small things. But that don't going to fill one basket. It ain't going to fill. In my mind, I think of a basket. I don't, maybe, maybe I'm uh, exaggerating, but that's what I think of a basket. My hands, you know, it's about so deep. At why point? I would think you'd want to build a basket, something big enough you could carry. And, and what I mean by that is you're not going to be walking around. I'm going to make 25,000 trips from the field today because I've got my little basket. No, you're going to build ergonomically and physically, you know, something that you can carry. So you're going to want to carry as much as possible to cut down your trips. So they have a basket big enough there that's 12 of them left over. Created fish, created bread, created fish, and there's 12 left over. Can you imagine the little boy say, I only brought five. Well, you can have those two. Take them home to your mom and dad. Take them home to your neighborhood. Spread that, go spread that gospel, that word everywhere you go. There's plenty. There's plenty. Plus what he fed them sitting there. Can you imagine the young boy walking home with 12, 12 baskets, however many trips it made, of created fish? You know what, that one don't even look, they don't even look like the scales are not perfectly lined up. That one, look, that could be about the best looking fish I've ever seen in my life. You know, some people that have that good fishermen, they like to show pictures of their catches, like, look at that beauty. But you imagine walking the street, can you see that? Does that look good to you? And people are like, wow, that's, a, that's the prettiest looking fish I ever saw. Some would even say a handsome looking fish. But it's a created fish. And you're like, that is so silly and so simple. No, 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 you create a fish. You create a piece of bread and see if you wouldn't want somebody to say, that's a handsome looking fish. You wouldn't want to create something. Okay, now, what do you think? Oh, that thing's ugly. No, I created it. Every one of them ain't. Every one of them ain't. You might be sitting here this morning for whatever reason that you came here. 
whatever state of your life, whatever it might be, you might even be fully distracted. It might not have, you're, you're being, the devil's working on you nonstop to keep your attention off this. But God, if you give him a minute, he'll feed you. And one word from him will change your life. One word from him will change your life. And that's all you need is one word. But he's got more than one word to give. If you can push back all the nonsense that Satan throws your way, push back all that nonsense, say, Lord, I'm just going to sit at your feet and speak to me. Just speak to me. It ain't Sam Parker sitting there talking to me this morning. It's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you this morning. I've yielded myself and surrendered my life to him. Let him speak to you this morning. He's got more than just one word for you this morning. They did all eat and they were filled. They took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So if every man was married, that's 5,000 women. And if every person had at least two kids, what's the average, 2.2 kids? Start writing that math run out on you. 5,000 plus 5,000 times 2.2. It, it ain't just 100 people to feed. Now, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him. Under the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. And when he had sent the multitudes away, now you understand, these same people, these same people that just got fed, now you got to go home. You imagine what that looked like. We're not talking about a, a meeting of 1,000 people. We're talking about a meeting of 20,000 people. You got to go home. You got to go home. You got to go home. He sent them away. You got, we got something, something about to happen. You need to go home. You need to go on to your home. You've been fed. Everything's taken care of. You've seen God as God. Now you need to go home. And it's not just so much you'll take his belt off and, and whoop them away. It's the only point of now you take what you've heard, you take what you felt, you take what you experienced, and you go share it. You understand? You take it and you go share it. So he straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Jesus is now telling the 12 disciples that their job for the last so many hours is to hand out this fish as he break it. You know, I just thought about something. 12 disciples, 12 baskets. Okay, I just clicked to me. I'm sorry about that. 12 disciples, 12, that's how they shook out the food. 12 baskets. Here, take the food. 12 baskets. Here's yours. You go back, and I'll fill yours up as soon as you get back. That's just my silly way of thinking about it. But so these 12 disciples that have taken this fish, this created fish, this created bread for the last so many hours and shook it out and dispersed it like that according to the word of the Lord. According, that's too simple. No, God reveals himself in simplicity according to the word of the Lord. But I, all I'm doing is carrying a basket. He told me to. That's, but that's all you're doing. I know. He told me to. I'm not going to lose one word. You think God wants you to be a doormat in the house of the Lord? David said, I will. David said, if I get to only be a doormat in the house of the Lord, he said, and blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, it is my desire to live in that temple, to inquire in his presence. He said, that's my heart's desire. So he's, he's constraining them. Now, constraining doesn't mean lightly. You know, maybe um, y'all get in the boat and go to the side. No, constraint means go. Go. Can you imagine? There? Wait a minute. Why? Why are you running everybody off? What are you doing, Lord? I don't understand. This is a supernatural event. Not disputing that. They need to go that way. You need to go that way. Why? Your next test is about to happen. Come on. Come on. You're going to be late. Your next test is about to happen. Same God then as he is today. Think about your Monday morning alarm going off. You want to oversleep a little bit. Don't oversleep. Get up. Get dressed. Get ready. Your test is about to happen. Don't be late for your test. Who gave you the test? Who allowed it? The creator. 
So then you can guarantee he wants you to take it. Pass or fail, he wants you to take it. Pass or fail, he wants you to take it. You think if you fail, you're less blessed? You're less favored? I failed that test. Get up. Get up. Try it again. Get up. I'll prove it. He constrains his disciples to get into a ship to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. This same one that's created all this bread and fish is now way up on the mountain. And now the Bible's about to tell you they're going to be on a ship in the middle of the sea. <laughs> he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. The midst means the middle of the sea. Now, it is a nature fact that there's always an eye in the midst of a storm. There's always a calm right in the midst of the storm. All of nature proves this. Now, let me prove to you why. He was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, they weren't on a Titanic. They weren't out there floating in this massive barge. They weren't in a battleship or a submarine. They were in a boat, you know, just big enough to fish out of. And the waves were contrary. And, and you, they've done a lot of movies in just my lifetime of different fishing boats and different movies about massive storms. Massive storms that at some point you're going straight up trying to cross something. And just massive storms, scare you, fear, fear gripping your heart. That's a, that's a downplayed way to say it. You know at any minute you're going to die. You know it. You absolutely know at any minute you're going to die. And that's what's going on. The tossed, tossed with waves. Because it's talking about the ship. The ship was now in the midst of the sea. We're still talking about the ship. It says tossed. You don't know, you know what seasickness is. You know what motion sickness is. You imagine what kind of was floating around that day. Everybody was probably puking their guts out. Because it's not just a... You know, no, no, I mean tossed from there to there to throwed and bounced and shot around. All these different things. For the wind was contrary. Contrary to what? Contrary to God's will. Wind wasn't meant to be that way. Wind wasn't meant to be destructive. Wind was meant to have peace in it. Satan is the one that's the prince of the power of the air. Satan is the one that's perverted. Satan's the one that's deformed and have you have all these storms that comes up. That's not God. Satan gets into those things and, and tears those things up. <coughs> the ship was tossed. The wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the sea. Now, as you break these verses down, in the fourth watch of the night, it tells you there's four watches. So they've already loosed from the shore. It's not that big of a sea. I don't know how many hours it takes to get across, but a long enough time that, you know what, I need a break, you take over for me. Okay, I'll do that. Then after a while, I need a break, you take over for me. Okay, I, you understand, four times, fourth watch. They're in this moment. And you think, well, my test wasn't over in a moment. Sometimes it drags out. Sometimes it's minutes. Sometimes it's hours, weeks, months, years. Don't matter. Same God. His purpose will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. And let me tell you what verse 25 says. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. No one had ever done that before. Can you imagine? Now, they're already in a scared state. 
they're in a very, very scared state. They think any minute they're about to die. And you, you, you just saw what had happened all day long. They'd watched this man create from nothing, took it and tore it, took it and tore it from nothing. And now they're out there. Man, we, was, we thought we was having a good day today. I didn't realize that that would be the day we died and we get to see all those things the day we died. But now they're out there and they know any minute they're about to die. Their life is about to cease and about to be over and about to expire and no longer be in this mortal coil. Any minute they're about to die. And here comes Jesus walking along the shore. They would say that's pretty good timing. You think about the storms of your life. You've probably thought many times, Lord, why did this drag on so long? Why did this drag on so long? I didn't think you'd ever help me. But he's the same God. Walking right down to the midst of your fire. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They got scared. They were troubled. They were scared. Are you seeing a man walking on the water? Is fear so overtook me that I'm hallucinating? Are you saying that seeing the man walk on the water? Because I see a man walking on the water. Did I get hit in the head? Am I dreaming? Is this a vision? Biting your face? What's, why do I see a man walking on the water? They were troubled. They were troubled saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for joy? No, for fear. They cried out for fear. They were scared. They were truly scared. But straightway, right away, right out of the bat, don't fear. Jesus speaks unto them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And there's at least one or two sermons that around preached on that exact verse right there. It is I, be not afraid. But we're still talking about the same God. We're still talking about the same God. And I, I, I share this a lot with you there when the angel of the Lord appeared to Brother Branham there in 1946. And he heard the footsteps coming. And he said, a ball of fire appeared. And he heard the footsteps come before he ever saw the ball of fire. He said, then a six-foot-tall man stepped out of that ball of fire, and that ball of fire stood above him and sat there and was burning and just like twisting and spitting flames out. What was the first thing he told him? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. I'm an angel sent from the presence of Almighty God to tell you this gift is in your life to take you understand what was said. But right away he was told not to be afraid. Fast forward about six or seven years in Vandalia, Illinois, that angel Lord is standing in that hotel room there talking to Brother Branham, and his brother and his son is laying asleep in the bed. And Brother Branham is sitting in the angel Lord is dealing with him about different things. And he said, before you go, would you let them see you? And he said, if he can't, who can? And so he walks over to him. And Billy Paul's testimony was, he said, I come to, Dad was shaking me. He said, and, the, and he had a pillow, was just holding it about so far off my head. And he said, don't be scared. He said, don't be scared. He said, that angel of the Lord that I've told you about on my whole, your whole life is standing right over here on the pillow. And I asked him if he could see him. He said, but don't be scared. And he said, when I pull the pillow away, you're going to get to see him, but don't be scared. He had the same reaction as the Lord Jesus because you have someone that goes first. You always have someone that goes first. And he had the same response. He didn't tell him, this is going to scare you to death and you're going to, your heart's going to fail with fear. Don't be afraid. The, the power that this bride is walking into is truly godlike. It is truly godlike. The spoken word, creative power, it is, it is, it is creative to the point of what do you need? And this only comes from a life surrendered to Christ. But he said, if you say, 
And it's a place where fear is all gone. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, we're not talking about a dirty love. We're not talking about a love that changes because your shoes change or because your attitude or your mood changes, but it's it's the love of God, which is so much. You have the, the affilial love of man. You have the agape love of God. The agape love of God, which indwells, it indwells, it's a person. Love is a person. Eternal life is a person. You understand? Eternal life is actually a person. He is not eternal death. You understand what that means? That to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, You've received eternal life. See, in, in John 1, which uh, a lot of folks like to use, I'm getting all excited. John 1 says that he gave them power. He gave them power to become sons of God. So like I've said to me many times, you just, and I'm going to just diminishly downplay this, being born a son or daughter of God, that's just one part. That's just one part. You being born a son or daughter of God, and you have all these different ideas and ways to Christ. Well, I believed, and I begot the Holy Ghost. Or I did this. I got. I shook the preacher's hand. I put my name on a book. I did this. I walked this star. This. You, know, all, you have all these different thoughts of how to get to God, but none of them actually. He, and none of them actually line up with the Word. How do I receive the Holy Ghost? How do I receive the new birth? And it's not just something so far off and so unimaginable as can be. It's you repent and you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of eternal life. I'm not misquoting it to you. I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost is. It is that new birth. You're birthed from this life into that kingdom. Now, what that does, it, it pulls you out of, and we've covered a lot in the last few weeks, on dimensions. You have those seven dimensions. You have the one, two, and three is time, light, matter, and space. Time, matter, is that one, two, three, four? Man, I get that mixed up. Time, matter, and space. The fourth one is where you live. We live in the fourth dimension. Those other waves, radio waves, TV waves, like they all exist in a dimension you can't see. Okay, have you ever seen a radio wave? No? You ever seen a, a TV wave? Do you believe that they're in the room right now? Do you understand? I'm saying this real simply like, do you believe a TV wave is in the room right now? Well, I ask you this simply. Does your cell phone have servers right now where you're sitting? So that means that TV, that telephone wave has come into this room. Now, this is the lower dimension, just a normal, you know, very, very normal, uh, a way to transfer technology, uh, information, all those things through radio or through TV or cell phones that's in those three realms there. And they, we're sitting right here in the fourth. And that fourth is a very powerful thing. You know, one time he was called four days late. Don't let four scare you. Being in that fourth dimension, and then you have that's where we live, and below that you have the time, matter, and space, and then you have the fourth dimension. The fifth dimension is right where those souls that are, that are lost are. Those, that's where you're, you're basically your waiting period for the lake of fire. Then your sixth dimension is where those that are souls on the altar, those that have gone before. Are. The seventh dimension is where the body is, his body is. That's where that new city currently sits. There will come a point where every dimension will be blended. That's a blending from ours to him. That uh, We're speeding up to that, into that, and, and I, I, it's, used, uh, it, it's used a description of you'll speed up, they'll slow down, but it's a blending, it's a merging between the two. So what happens in, in a foretaste, in, a, in, a, in a, a, just a, a, a glimpse of what that is, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when you've accepted that new birth in your life, you've been justified and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the mighty burning fire, because He'll cleanse your life out, and He'll change everything that's not like Him into His image, and you'll only express and emit His attributes. You've been birthed into that kingdom. 
The only way you can go back into that kingdom is if you've come from that kingdom. And it's not that there's a preexistence of souls or any of the such, but you were in his thoughts, you were in his mind before anything else, before there existed dimension, before there existed time. You were in those thoughts, and I've asked you this question many times, are the thoughts of God eternal? I can take Romans 8 and I can prove that to you. Your Bible, I'll take your Bible. If you pick your Bible, the thoughts of God are eternal. He foreknown, elected, and predestinated you before the foundation of the world. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He knew every mistake you'd make, every sin, every shortcoming, every failing. He knew it, and yet he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. There are those whose names are not on the Lamb's book of life. This is where a lot of people get tripped up. There are the, but what about John 3.16? God so loved the world. Yes, we're talking about my God. He loved the world. But he knew there are those that would not come, that would not give their life to him. Otherwise, how do you explain Judas? How do you explain Judas? You think Judas' name was on? The Lamb's Book of Life? There's a difference between the, the Book of Life and the Lamb's Book of Life. Same book, but it's a front part and there's a back part. The Bible teaches this. The back part is where your name has been written down before the foundation of the world. It's not transferred. Your name, you have a general account of everything. And so when he says he blots your sins and iniquities and transgressions out, it comes out of the, the book of life. He erases it. But your name, and the only reason this can happen is because it's in the back part of the book. You follow me? The only reason that you can be redeemed is because he chose you before the foundation of the world. Only the, redemp only the predestinated are even chosen in redemption. And I've asked you, like nature testifies all of God. When you plant corn, as soon as that stalk comes up, you're like, yes, I can eat it. That's what I wanted. No? Okay. So now it gets taller. And now it's not just two inches tall. Now it's six foot tall. Yes, that's what I always wanted. It was a good stalk. So not what you wanted. So now it starts to put forth the tassel. Oh, I want the tassel. Not what you want. So wait a minute. We've already got a stalk that's bigger than you. We've got a tassel that's prettier than you, but he wanted that grain, that seed on the inside. Only the predestinated is even considered in redemption. This is truth. You raise corn, this is the truth. Only the predestinated. Not all corn comes to fruition. Same seed. Jesus fixes that in the parable of the sower, where the seed was thrown, where the seed was placed, the type of ground that it was beyond. You think God didn't know where that seed would fall? Does he know the end from the beginning or not? He knows the end from the beginning. Well, you don't understand. I had all these troubles. We've, a, a good friend of mine has told me about his brother before that, that he was raising the message and he said many times that he said, I've sinned away my day of grace. There's no place of redemption for me again. I cannot be saved. He said, for what I've done, I, the Bible talks about those that have come to the knowledge of the truth and backed away. He's using that and that for uh, and all those things to try to say that I can't come back. And Satan has lied to him. It's an outright lie to him. As long as there's breath in your body, you have a chance. As long as there's breath in your body, there's a chance for you to accept him. For you to say, Lord, I yield. I want you. That's what, And the only reason you can do that is because of his choice in you. But this same one that stood there is the same one that walks in you daily. And so when you start to... Uh, you've heard the, the, the description given, I was walking alone, and, and I just all of a sudden, that's out of the blue, I started wondering, shout, singing and praising the Lord. Anybody else, you ever had that before? You're just walking down the street, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm having a certain day. I, I'm not sing-worthy, not praiseworthy, just walking along. All of a sudden, now, down at the cross where my Savior died. What changed from there to there? 
What about the time you're walking along, you're having a pretty good day, and you get a spot, and you're like, man, I'm so discouraged, I'm scared now. You just walk near a demon. If you walk near, uh, near an angel, the angels worship. Am I the only one ever felt this before? <coughs> what happens? There's a blending from that dimension. You understand? There's a blending from that dimension. You got near that influence. You got near that kind of a ground, that kind of a, an atmosphere. See, atmosphere changes things. I, I'm not a scientist, but I can tell you that if this atmosphere of this planet goes away, we go with it. Atmosphere changes things. <clears throat> That's why there's a difference from being at home from being in here. And atmosphere changes in here normal than it was does the other five days of the week. The days we're not here. You, everybody follow me. What is changing it? There's a blending from faith, hearts of faith that come into a place. It starts to change things. And, and I'm only saying this to you just so you get an understanding that, that it happens here, but it's also supposed to go with you. It's supposed to go with you. And you come back and you rejoin that and you take more. You take your basket and go out. You take your basket. And in your sense, in your life, you're not carrying fish or loaves. You're carrying actual light. The light of the gospel. The light of the word. And you don't ever want to walk up someone and take your basket and start hitting them with it. Like Moses brought the first tablets down and we hit that thing with it. You don't, can't take the word and beat someone with it. All you must do is walk up and you say, do you see that? Do you see that? Uh, we've heard a lot of different testimonies this last week with some of the sermons I was hearing. And, and we was talking, me and Aaron was talking to you tonight about some of the ones that we've heard and, and, and what God has done in different places. And, and, and for one, uh, for those who are watching, Sister um, Brother, Brother Wayne is, tells a testimony. He told it when he was here about um, preaching in Norway back a couple years ago. And in that preaching there that, that he just made, because remember, preaching of the gospel sets the captives free. Keep that in your mind. He says, preaching in Norway, he said, I just come across that in Revelations chapter 1 about who those seven stars were in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, that seventh star, that number seven star was William Branham. And he said, I just kept right on preaching. I didn't take time to you know, really dig into it. He said, I didn't get into fellowship with the folks most left. He said, I come back one year later. One year later. And a sister that was there said, call him. She said, I've got to talk to you. One year ago, you made a statement when you was up here preaching how that William Brown was that seventh star in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is that, 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 met, that fourth use of the Elijah spirit in this day, the seventh angel messenger, which Revelation 10, 7 talks about. When you said that, she said, I have leukemia, and I'm eat up with leukemia. When you made just that statement, my body changed. My body. So I went and got it checked out. Doctor says I'm free of it now. I have no more leukemia. All because you said William Branham is that seventh star in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all he said. Didn't even tell him how that he was sent with the gift of healing. Didn't even say that. It's all he said. Preaching of the gospel sets the captives free. See, the devil downplays this so much. Downplays it so much. But why would he do that? And we shared just recently there in Matthew 3, Matthew 2, how that when he come against the Lord Jesus, and he was there in the desert, and he was trying to tempt him, trying to twist him, all these different things. <coughs> that every time that he brings his attacks against the Lord, he would say, but the Word says. But the Word says. But the Word says. And Satan was defeated and walked away. So he's going to take your mind, your entire life, he's going to water this down. 
every church you've ever been in that said contrary. Any thought, any idea, any person that ever watered this down from the true reality, unfailing reality of a living God. Satan's been doing that, so when you read it, you won't mix that with a heart of faith. And you won't say, wait a minute, that looks like me. It makes him real. It makes him real. It brings him on the scene. You understand, it? What, something always good happens every time he comes on the scene. Always good, always good. Straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of a good cheer. It is I. It is I. Be not afraid. Don't have time to get into that just yet. I'm running out of time. Peter answered him and said, Lord, listen to this question. Jesus just said, It is I. So Lord sa- he, Peter says, Lord, If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, the one that said, it is I, he said, come. Peter, when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And in my mind, that just minutes before, those same 12 men were saying, I ain't never seen nobody walk on the water before. You ever seen you ask you ever seen anybody walk on water? You ever seen I ain't, I ain't never seen nobody walk on water. Here comes somebody walking on water. Is that a spirit? Is that a ghost? Are we all having a mass dream? But now it went from him doing it to now you doing it. Now it's you doing it. Peter is told to come out of the boat. Peter is told to come out of the boat. Uh, was, was sharing with, I think it was Brother Matt the other night about, in, in the message, Humble Thyself, where the realm tells a story about a man that goes to his pastor. And he said, Brother, he said that there's a ravine, wherever it is, a big massive, you know, long thing. He said, I've dropped a log over it. And he said, and I've dropped this log over this massive ravine, which you'd fall so far to your death. He said, and I've walked across the log. And the pastor said, man, that's, that's impressive. You didn't fall. That's right, I didn't fall. He said, he said, but not only that, he said, also put another log on my back and I walked across that same beam and you still didn't fall? That's right, still didn't fall. Man, that's impressive. God must be with you. He said, now, Pastor, it wasn't just that. Also, I had that log on my back and took a wheelbarrow and walked across and still didn't fall. Man, God must be with you. He said, so I've walked across the bed, carrying a pole, pushing a, a wheelbarrow. He said, God must be with you. Now, Pastor, that's not all I can do. I can put you in that wheelbarrow with that log on my back, and push you across that pole. pastor's like, whoa, hung on now. God was with him. God was with him until you linked me with him. So Peter's response is, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. If it's you, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down on the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Did you just hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Peter walked on the water. Peter better than you? Peter didn't even have the Holy Ghost in him. He didn't even have the Holy Ghost in him. A son of God that believed a word, that believed him when he spoke. And he didn't even say a lot of words. You're saying that it's you and that I can come. That's what I said, come. Okay, here I come. Again, he only said, come. One word from the Lord to change your life. One word from the Lord to change your life. You think Peter's life wouldn't change when he stepped out of that boat? His feet hit solid ground. He started walking. You think his, his life didn't change? And all he did was use one four-letter word, come. When Peter was come down the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, see, 
Jesus didn't calm the storm when he walked up. He didn't. Winds are still boisterous. I would imagine that it wasn't an easy departure from the boat. If the boat's being tossed about, you imagine, I'm just going to have to jump. I mean, I can't, I can't just step because then you know, wherever I put my foot down, it's nowhere near when it first comes. You understand? Moving. The winds, the waves are boisterous. He didn't calm the waters. He said he stepped out and immediately, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Right away, be not afraid. Did you read that too? Be not afraid. How come he was able to believe some things he said, but not everything he said? Still looking at the surroundings. Still looking at the test. Still looking at the trial. Still looking at the fire. Still looking at the way he felt. Still looking at the way he felt. You, you think those waves didn't look real to him? You think Jonah? Jonah would say those who observe life badly forsake their own mercy. Jonah, when he said that, he was kneeling in the belly of a fish, a great fish. You know, you're touching the, the, the plankton walls or the, you know, the fish walls and seaweed going by. And, and Nope, this ain't real. This ain't real. What God said about me is what's real. Then you start speaking. This isn't what's real. That's what's real. Spoken word changes circumstance. It changes circumstance. What he says. <coughs> when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And hours later, Jesus texted him. Sent a telegram. No. Immediately. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. It's the truth. It's the truth. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Wherefore didst thou doubt? So, it said a lot in the Old Testament. You know, we'll, just, we'll just take just the children of Israel. They come out and they cross the Red Sea. Um, so the day their world changed, we'll start it right there. We'll say that's the, the precipice, the day their world changed. As they leave Egypt, they walk out, God steps down with angry eyes. The sea gets scared, rolls back, and they walk across on dry ground. Not muddy ground. They're not, oh, you know, it's up to my knees, but at least we can get across. Hurry. No, Bible says dry ground. They walked across on dry ground. They get the other side. Their enemy, they've been beating them all these years that had so tormented them. And all these that had been had beat their daddy, their mama, their brothers, their sister, them, had beaten them relentlessly all these years. They're following. Wait a minute, you're saving me, but you're saving them too. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Don't stop here. Just keep walking. The word is a lamp to be keep you moving. Keep moving. Just keep walking. They get the other side. All it was was a trap for them. What saved them was a trap to them. Just keep walking. Get on the other side. He drew them into it, and it wiped them out. And next thing they know, they're standing again, just the children of Israel. They're standing there, and the people that had beat them so relentlessly are now floating face down in the water. Face down. The Lord had done told them just a few minutes, hours, whatever it was, for how long it took them to cross, that you'll see them no more. These people, you'll see them no more. Now, he didn't tell them you won't see them alive no more. He just said you won't see them no more. And I guarantee you, they thought in their hearts, that's good enough for me. They won't hit me no more. They won't beat me no more. They won't torment me no more. Make me make my own brick with no straw. I've got to raise my own straw just to make my own brick to give to you for your kingdom, serving the devil's kingdom. But it still wasn't enough. How much of a believer would you be this morning if you'd watch the Red Sea open? If you'd have watched it open, uh, so just something as simple. If you were standing there 
Maybe you're fishing on this Red Sea shore one day. You see some people come up, and then the water does that. They go through, then the water does that. How much of a believer would you be? How much of you a believer would you be if you'd have walked through with them? Would you have believed in a God that's real? See, the, the problem with most people, they can accept that, yes, God is real. I can believe that. Okay, I'll give you that. Something created everything. I heard a man uh, was testifying about he, he had been invited to come uh, speak at an atheist convention. He was a minister, invited to come speak, and to bring, to prove before them that God was real. And he told them, he said, I I'll tell you right now, you don't have a problem that God being real. That's not your problem. In your heart, you know that God's real. The problem is you don't like the one that there is. That's your problem. See, he requires things of your life. And that's where people get stuck. I don't want to do what he tells me to do. Who does he think he is? Well, you just said he created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, but he ain't got to mess with my life. Why has he got to mess with my life? And Satan sitting there telling you, God don't care about that. He don't care about that. This means nothing to God. That don't mean nothing to God. But why did he say it? Because everything you surrender to God, it takes Satan's grip off of you. Every little thing you surrender to God, Satan loses his grip. You understand the pattern here. You surrender to God, Satan loses his grip. Surrender to God, Satan loses his grip. You understand that last day, that last thing you surrender, Satan in this world has no more hold. What do you look like then? Free, free it can be. Remember the story that Brother Brown told about the eagle? That he said that eagle flew over the, 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 uh, the, the, the barnyard, and he said he heard, looked up, and he saw him screaming, and it was free. He was free, way up high in the air, screaming and free. And he said, that's what I want to be like. I want to be like that. Free from sin, free from shame, free from condemnation. Everything i ever done, completely set free. And eventually, changed from this point on. No more remembrance of sin. What a day that will be. God bless you this morning. Let's stand to our feet as we have our musicians come. <coughs> always amazes me how far I, I think I'll get, and then I don't even get 1% of that, but to God be the glory. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Oh, when